Good morning, church. I was uh, back there worshiping with you, and I was thinking, man, I love this church. <laughs> There's a lot of energy in the room. Um, and we still have some people in the lobby, so I know it's a little toasty, to, but if you could get friendly with people around you, we can get everybody in, that'd be great. We're in Revelation chapter 8, so if you turn your Bible open to Revelation chapter 8, and if you don't have one, there's some provided for you right around you. And if uh, maybe you've got the app on your phone or your iPad, whatever it might be, that's great. We're going to turn to Revelation chapter 8. Now, um, here's the deal with this chapter. Some of you have walked in here and you haven't been part of our series. We're um, several weeks along now. And so this is like the first time you've walked into this passage. and You're going to see it in a different light. Some of you are maybe first time in church. And so just an introduction to this. Imagine if you saw a picture of someone you were being introduced to, and that picture was when they were in the middle of providing discipline to their child, or actually um, they were providing justice in this case. That's the only thing you ever knew about this person, and this is the only snapshot you had. You'd have a very different image of them unless you had the whole context, unless you knew that parent was a parent who has been very, very patient, who is loving, who is kind, who is given all kinds of opportunities and loves so much that will not let that person go by without discipline, will provide correction into the life. And Revelation chapter 8 is a, a picture, a snapshot, if you will, of discipline happening. And it's the discipline of God because he loves us so pick and much. Because he has an affection for us. But he also is committed to the big picture of Revelation we've been talking about. That he is going to make one day all things new. That's his agenda. He's going to make all the broken parts of this world, including you and I, new. And we're going to look at that starting in Revelation chapter 8. Now, a little context, if you haven't been with us um, on the throne of God, God sat, and he had a scroll in his hand. And the question was raised, who can open this scroll so that we might know what's to come? Who can open it? And there was a part and place, time in heaven, where no one was found. And uh, John is panicking. You know, he's actually weeping, we're told in Scripture. And then um, he expects the lion, the tribe of Judah, to come. And into the scene comes this lamb, the lamb who is slain. And that lamb takes the scroll and starts to open it. In chapter 6, we see this series of these seals being opened and God revealing that people were getting what they had called for in their rebellion against God. And it affected a lot of people. In chapter 6, six of those seals are open. And then there's a break. And in chapter 7 of Revelation, we're given a picture of people who have been martyred for their faith. Countless of people who have chosen to follow Jesus. What a great thing, right? That they've chosen to follow Jesus. But in their following of Jesus, as they told their friends about it, and they started to experience persecution, and not only persecution, but countless of them died for their faith. Now we're left with what's next. All these people that have loved God and faithful in him, been killed for their faith. What's God going to do about it? And we're left with Revelation chapter 8, where God begins to say, I'm going to make all things new. I'm going to repair all that's broken. I'm going to breathe life 
and a new creation. So, Revelation chapter 8. Now, because this is a challenging text, and we've got uh, a wide spectrum of ages and spiritual maturity in the room, that's great. We're going to start with a game. So I need, um, I had some volunteers. I think actually Pastor Bo got some volunteers. If you're one of those volunteers that Pastor Bo talked about, I need uh, four adults and four kids, right? So come on up if you were one of them. If he had a personal conversation with you guys and he got you to volunteer. Thank you so much. And we're going to... Um, that's great. Angela, can you grab those two mics for me, if you would, please? And we're going to have the wrinkled people over on this side, and we're going to have the kids over on this side. That's great. And you're supposed to stand in line, apparently, according to Pat, because otherwise they can't see your beautiful faces. So, um, can you guys just really quickly introduce yourself? Just, uh, just the name would be great, because we don't have a ton of time for your whole history, Paul. Thank you. Outstanding. Bruce? Bruce? Burton. Oh, very good. You know how to use a mic, Burton? Come on. Aperna. Now, here's the deal. Burton Aperna just got into town, right? And they just came home. Isn't it great to have them? And we stuck them right on the stage. So you guys need to step up in the light. That was your point, right, Pat? Get them in the light. Okay. And you guys introduce yourself. Here's your mic. Great. Kyra. Uh, Colby. Hannah. Jeremiah. Jeremiah. Great. You're going to hold on to that, Jeremiah, okay? Now, here's the deal. We're going to read, um, because it's challenging, um, God's word is available to all of us, right? So we're just going to dive right into it. We're going to look at a verse, and I'm going to ask you a question. Give you a couple seconds to get the answer. Who wants to answer it, right? And then, um, so I'll give you a first question after I read the first verse, and you guys can answer it, and then I'll give the old people one. And they can answer it. And it'll go back and forth. And we're going to have a little game. And see who scores the most points, okay? And wins. And there's a prize afterwards. Some Jamba Juice for you, okay? Okay. So, just to motivate your study of God's Word, here we go. Chapter 8. I like it, I've it. Starting in verse 1. Remember, I'm going to ask you a question about this, right? Okay, and you already warmed up a little bit. You guys did because you had school this week. So, here it is. This is the Word of God. When the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Okay, so you guys first. Here's your first question. Who is the Lamb? Who is the Lamb? I'll give you just a couple seconds. And whoever wants to volunteer, ready? Whoa, you're already on it. You're sure you know that, Jeremiah? Okay, tell everybody. You guys stick the mic right in your mouth. There you go. God is the Lamb. Yeah, but specifically, what part of God? Like the Father, the Son, Jesus, or the Holy Spirit? Jesus. Put that right there. Jesus. Outstanding. Great job. Great job, Jeremiah. Now, it's always good, of course, to answer with the Jesus, right, in church, because that makes sense. Okay, so Jesus, good job. 100 points for you guys. And um, I'll ask another question. Out of verse 1, which we just read. So for the adults, here, you keep guys backing up, and Pat's in... There you go. Don't be shy, Aparna. You're not shy. You've led worship for us before. Okay. So here's your question, you guys. It's out of verse 1. Um, why was there silence in heaven? <laughs> okay, wait. Okay, we got one. He's good. He's good. We don't have, they're not going to get their cheat. You can get a cheat later on. No, no, no. You get a cheat later on. Okay. Bruce is going to get it. Now, why was there silence in heaven? 
Now, because, let me get it, the context is, if you know Revelation right there, over the chapters, great praise has gone on. Like all of heaven is busted loose, praising God with all kinds of enthusiasm. And all of a sudden we get to chapter 8 and it says, for about a whole half an hour, can you imagine that? It's just pin drop quiet. And Bruce is going to tell us why. Oh, no. Go ahead. You got stuck with it? Go ahead. Go 50-50, please. (laughs) You want a 50-50? I didn't say we could do that. Did I say we could do that? They've got to answer the question. Do you know? No idea. You know what? That's worth it. Okay, why do you have no idea, right? Because the text doesn't tell us specifically why there was science. So I'm going to accept that answer as the right answer. That's a good answer. (laughs) Now, listen. Always better... Not to make it up when you're trying to think about what the Bible's saying, not to make it up. But there are some clues of why there was silence in heaven. Um, And if you would have asked Pastor Fred, if I would have let Pastor Fred actually say it, he would have said probably that the other shoe is going to drop. Because remember in chapter 6, some really significant hard things happen. And, um, and then at the end of chapter 6, people were asking, who can stand? And chapter 7 answers the question. It's the people who have committed their life to Jesus and protected by God. Those are the ones that can stand. And now chapter 8, they realize that the seventh seal has not been opened. And six of them before then have been really harsh. And now the, the, last, the seventh one is going to be opened. And it's going to be significant, right? And so heaven gets quiet. But I'll give you guys credit just because I'm so nice, right? Okay, great. Okay, good. So that's, chat, that's verse 1. Let's go to verse 2. And then I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and the seven trumpets were given to them. So here's your question for you guys over here out of Revelation 8, 2. How many trumpets were there? Somebody else has to answer the question. So Jeremiah, pass the mic. Somebody else. Seven. Outstanding. That's great. Fantastic. Okay. Good. That's great. You know what? Here's why it's so great. Not only do you get points, but in Revelation, the very beginning of it, it says that if you read this word and heed it, you're blessed. So you don't, not only do you get points, you get blessings. So, okay. Now your question out of that chap, um, verse two, here's your question. In the Bible, there are at least six reasons why trumpets get blown. <laughs> name three of them. You go, go ahead. You can take some time. Talk amongst yourselves. Name three reasons why trumpets get blown in the Bible. And you got about 10 seconds left. That's enough. Okay. Now, I will also give you a credit. It doesn't have to be like a literal with valves trumpet. It can be like in the Old Testament, they used a shofar, like a ram's horn, right? They blew it as a trumpet. So who's answering? Is it Bruce's turn? Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> Come on, uh, with enthusiasm, yeah. right? Falls of Jericho. Okay, so what were they doing? What was, why was the trumpet blown there? Why was the trumpet blown there? To make noise. Oh. <laughs> Rejoice. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm going to give you at least half credit for that. Go ahead. And okay. So. And there was uh, 300 men of Gideon. 
Okay, so it's like a call to battle. Okay, I, that's kind of the same thing as the Jericho thing. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Okay, and what, was what was your third one? David uh, praising, praising God. Okay, great. Like a call to worship. That's great. Call to worship. That's great. I got you get two. that one. Okay, I'll give you three, Aparna, just because you're back home, and I'm just going to give you credit. Okay, just because I love you guys. Should I give him full credit for that? No, you're, you're tough. Great. So um, here's the deal. There's, there's several reasons why. God calling his people to himself was used in trumpets. Um, also calling people to repentance. Um, there's the use right here in Revelation where trumpets are about judgment, right? God's final judgment. There is about a call to battle. So you totally got that one right. Also, trumpets are used for coronation when a king is crowned. And why that's significant right here in this part is because Revelation 8 kind of turns a page where God and his kingship is now going to be established. And this is the beginning of it. These steps of judgment are the beginning of God reigning over all. So, all right? And um, so, I'll, but I'll be full of grace and give you this. Okay, so, but that's the last, no more grace. Okay, no, just kidding. It's church. We got to give grace. Okay, so. Okay, last time, Revelation 8, 3 through 4. I'm going to read this, and, you, and I'll have some questions for you, okay? So here it is. Revelation, starting verse 3, chapter 8. And another angel came, and you have to listen carefully, you guys, and the altar with a golden censer, that's a big bowl, and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. So the question is, what was rising before God for you guys? There were two things. What was rising before God? You're going to make Colby answer or are you going to answer? Okay. Wait, wait, stand up right here because your beautiful face needs to be seen. Right, Pat? I'm trying. I'm trying my best. Go ahead. Incense and prayers. Fantastic. Incense and prayers. That's it. Great job, kids. That's great. Okay. Now, I'll even actually give you guys context for my question. So in the next verse in chapter, uh, verse 5, what happens with that is fire is mixed in and it's thrown down to earth. It's a metaphor of these prayers Okay, being answered and what happens as a result of that. So the question that I want to ask you is, what were the prayers of the saints? What were they asking for? What were the saints asking for? There were prayers. Okay, you can talk. Go ahead. I'll give you a couple seconds. What were they asking for? Fred, aren't you glad you're not up here? You, you want to get your Fred at? Go ahead. Fred can come up and help with one help. One help. Okay, time up. Sorry. Okay. What? Do you have an answer? <laughs> That's tough. <laughs> come on. We got to keep going. Here we go. Okay. You, he might not be right. Fred, is, you got, he thought it was a bad answer? He might be on purpose. It might be on purpose giving you a bad answer. You don't trust Fred. 
Okay, now we got a problem. No, no, just kidding, friend. <laughs> Paul, what do you think? What were the prayers asking for? To avenge God. Okay, that could be part of it for sure. I, I, and I would, I'll give you credit for that. And here's the reason why I'm going to give you credit for it. Because it, it actually says beforehand in Revelation that they were praying for justice and for vengeance, right? So it's an answer to that prayer could well be. And I'm going to give you credit for that because the Bible actually doesn't say exactly what that prayer was for. But here's another possibility I want to give you. Just one more possibility. The prayers of the saints throughout all time and those prayers actually that his, Jesus' own disciples were instructed to pray for was to pray this. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And in the context of Revelation 8, I think that could well be part of what's being prayed for. God, bring your kingdom here on earth because we need it. We're so broken and wrecked and destroyed. Now is the time. And in answer to that is what happens later on in this chapter and the beginning of it unfolding throughout the next several chapters in Revelation. Okay, we're going to just ask one more question. I'm going to give one more chance for, um, for these guys to get it right. You guys got yours really fast, right? Okay, so I'm going to read one more text, um, and I'm going to skip down to Revelation chapter um, 8, verse 7, okay? So I'll read 6 first, and then verse 7. You ready? Okay. So it says this, And now the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to blow them. And the first angel blew his trumpet, and there followed hail and fire mixed with blood. And these were thrown upon the earth. And a third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. Okay, did you hear that? So here's the question. Why did God do that? Why did God do that? I'm going to give you about 10 seconds to talk amongst yourselves, and we'll see who's got the best answer, and you guys get to vote. Okay? Why did God do this? Yes, you can help, Angela. I see you looking. You can... Fred, you want to co-help this team over here? You can't help that team. Okay, they don't, they don't trust you. They don't get your help. <laughs> Randy, do you have the answer? Okay, okay. No, no. Okay. How are we doing there? You guys good? Do you trust Aunt Miss Angela? Sure. sure. See, they trust Angela, right? What's the deal, Fred? I don't know. Okay. So what was God doing was my question. And you guys can go first, okay, because we've made them go first every time. So what was God doing? Paul, they're going to make you answer it, okay? Second one? Okay. What was God doing? God was bringing down judgment and purifying the earth. Okay. That sounds like a pretty good answer, doesn't it? Yeah. Good. Good, Paul. You can clap for them. It's okay. Okay, okay you guys, what do you think? What was God doing? Um, Go. I don't mean to, like, steal what he said, but he was, yeah. like he said, he was bringing judgment to earth, but he only did it to a part of the earth to give us a chance um, at redemption, giving us a second chance, showing his mercy. Ooh, okay. Okay, so I want to know who gave the best answer over here. Thank you very much for helping you guys. You guys stay right here.
And you guys get Jamba Juice over here. Great. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I'm going to have to, we only have one for you to share, but I'm going to have to give you this. And then Jeremiah. Oh, Colby, that was very nice. I got you. Okay, you want to put that up? Colby, you want to take me? Great, thanks. Thanks so much, you guys. I really appreciate your help. Now, we're going to read through the last part of this, and I'm going to ask some big questions about the text itself. So hang with me, if you would, please. Verse 8 says, And the second angel blew his trumpet, and something like a great mountain burning with fire. Remember, something like he's giving imagery. Could well be a metaphor. Maybe this is a giant volcanic explosion. We're not sure. We don't know was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood. A third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. Think about the magnitude of what just happened. Verse 10, a third angel blew his trumpet, and a great star fell from heaven. Is it an asteroid? What's going on? We don't know. We're not sure. The Bible doesn't tell us. It leaves us in mystery. Blazing like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and all the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. That's bitterness. A third of the waters became Wormwood, and many people died from the water because it had been made bitter. Think about the the scope of a third of the fresh water on earth gone and all the implications of that. The fourth angel blew his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of their light might be darkened, and a third of the day might be kept from shining, and likewise a third of the night, losing a third of light. And all that would do to the harvests, all that would do to life here. And then I looked, and I heard an angel crying with a loud voice as it flew directly overhead. Whoa, whoa, whoa. To those who dwell on the earth, at the blasts of the other trumpets, that the three angels are about to blow. In other words, it gets worse. It gets harder. And next week, Pastor Nate is going to be talking about that. So big questions that I have out of this text. The first one, actually, Colby answered for us in part. Why does God bring judgment? Why does he do this? I mean, this is a God of love, right? Who cares for us. He's long-suffering, he's patient, full of grace. Why does God bring judgment? And according to Scripture, there are some specific reasons why God does it. He does it, as we're told, to bring about repentance so that people might turn to him. At the end of chapter 6, God brought some judgments, and people still did not turn. They did not repent. Repent specifically means, as many of us know, and he's stopping in our tracks, running our own direction, and turning around, literally doing a 180, and running toward God and seeking a relationship with him, seeking his mercy. But these people did not do that. So it's to bring repentance and a restored relationship. That is, my relationship with God is broken. I'm separated from God, but now I turn to him. And God kind of turns up the volume from chapter 6, Here, where a whole third of the earth is affected. Now, here's the next question. Why does God use these specific kinds of judgments? Why does he do what he does here in chapter 8? We're not told all the reasons, but we do know this. 
that God judges a race. He judges humankind that has destroyed its own environment. In Genesis chapter 1, we're told that we are stewards of the earth. And if I was to ask any thinking person with discernment today, you would say, we have not done a very good job with that as stewards of the earth. All the issues that we have in our environment, we are responsible as stewards before God of this earth. God has an agenda. It's going to be to make all things new in this broken earth. And so, in effect, he says, do you want a destroyed world? Then you're going to have it. And that's what happens in Revelation 8. Next question I have probably is the big question. Why do so many people struggle with the concept of a God who would judge us? Why do you struggle with this concept that God would bring judgment to people? Eugene Peterson has said, we do everything we can to make light of judgment. We use every stratagem we can to avoid dealing with the consequences of sin. But God will not let us off. He will not indulge our inattention. He will be taken seriously. In a pause between trumpet blasts and eagle cries, it's warning. However practiced we become at tuning out sounds that we don't want to hear, including the sound of God's displeasure at sin, God finds new ways to penetrate our defensive deafness. The eagle cry catches us off guard. It's a fascinating picture at the end here of Revelation 8 where this eagle starts screaming out and people's attention are arrested because they have still not turned toward God and God desires for them to turn back to him. So why does God judge and bring his judgments like this? There are multiple reasons and I really appreciate what um, uh, Ray Stedman once wrote. Ray Stedman was a pastor of Peninsula Bible Church and many of you have read some of his been encouraged by his ministries. He's gone to be with the Lord, but um, he gives us some reasons, and I wanted to vocalize them this morning. First, the judgments frighten us, and they're intended to. They're sent to us to arrest our attention, to arouse fears, because then his judgments, they sober us. They, They make us not only afraid, but start thinking about the life that we're living, and not to take that lightly. C.S. Lewis says, well, that fear or pain or judgment, God's judgments, are God's megaphone to reach a deaf world. I like that a lot. They're God's megaphone to reach my deafness, my neighbor's deafness, to turn to God. And so judgments also correct us. They, they keep us from doing what we've been doing that has been hurtful and sinful and broken. And they correct our way. They strip out our illusions and restore us to reality. And we begin to think more accurately and more clearly about God and, and plan more carefully to live our life more thoughtfully. And judgments humble us. We begin to see that we're not in control. And that's certainly a picture in Revelation chapter 8. No person, no government is in control. But God alone is. We're not autonomous creatures just doing our own thing. And we're not little gods. And judgment, it should reassure us, those of us who have a relationship with God. Isaiah in Isaiah 28 calls it this strange work that God uses. And in his judgment, he keeps it brief and he gives ample warnings. 
And he does it as an expression of his love, his love for us that when he sees brokenness and sinfulness and rebellion, he will not keep allowing it, but he will bring correction to it. God must judge. It's part of his, it's part of his pure and holiness. But he judges in order to eliminate evil once and, all, once and for all. That's why he does it. It's not going to be easy. But you, friend, you don't have to walk through that. Because before judgment, we're called to turn to God, who loves to give mercy and forgiveness. God of all creation will bring judgment and accountability to all people. But we're told if we embrace the mercy and grace of God, we can have a relationship with him and escape his judgment. And that's my great prayer for you. This chapter, it's meant to arrest our attention to turn up the volume, right? It's the megaphone for us to make sure we're living our life wholly for Jesus. And if you have no relationship with God, if you've been walking your own way, I want to call you back to a relationship with him. Simply, honestly have a conversation today, this day, with God and acknowledge your own sinfulness Confess that before God and seek his mercy and forgiveness because there's no end to the mercies of God and they're new every day. And he would love for you to enter into relationship with himself, to stop, to turn, and to embrace him. Just with an honest conversation and tell him and seek to follow him. Let me pray if I might. Father, thank you for this word. It's a powerful word, sobering word. And thank you for um, the help of others to help us understand this. And I thank you that it arrests our attention. And you know it, Lord. We need this megaphone turned up so we might hear how significant it is to follow you and to trust in you. In Christ's name, all God's people said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Bridges Community Church Sermon Podcast. Bridges Community Church is located in the San Francisco Bay Area in Fremont, California. For more information on Bridges Community Church, please check out our website at www.bridgescc.org.